must have cut her in me pocket I'll fetch me radishes from the van Cause when you've got all hungry with no food in your tummy Then curry, I'm your man Cause how we all lose it is a mystery It's like the changing of a wardrobe from a dire history But it's the one making us not stop Kilograms is all we've got to drop. La 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 la. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's 50kg drop podcast. Uh, today, we've got a very special guest, uh, a lady called Pippa Rogers, um, that has come on to the pod. Sorry, my phone's ringing. <laughs> and joining me today, we also have the wonderful Taylor Ellsworth. Um, Hello, droppers. Pippa, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, Pippa, it'd be really great um, for you to introduce your yourself, what you do for everyone who doesn't listen and go from there, really. Well, first thing, I have someone else who wants to join your squad of losing. <laughs> Whoa. What we got? Oh, is that... Yeah. Do people still show their dogs on Zoom or is that quite 2020? Yeah, 100%. It's welcomed. <laughs> Harvey, my dog's on, on this pod a lot, actually, yeah. So. Oh, that's good. I'm awful at Breed, is he? Or she? A miniature schnauzer, a boy. Ah, very nice. Got a really good temperament. Ah, oh, thank you. I slipped him a little something, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I'm awful. My last bits of the food I can't resist just to give him, so I do need to... Put him on this diet well. Yeah, my dog's sizey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he listens, so I, I'm not going to say too much. No. <laughs> yes, so thank you. So, yes, I'm Pippa. I started the Healed and Whole Recovery um, just for a place to feel safe. I think so many um, clinical settings like dietitians or nutritionists can have a way of putting shame on people. So I just want to nurture this environment where no shame like completely honest you know if it was you the six hash browns was going to applaud you um (laughs) earlier so I just yeah I just want people to feel safe and you know you never grow into the person you want to be if you're filling your mind with mean things you know nasty things I just really want people to cultivate that in a sense of love and then go from there yeah fair enough so I, personally, I think I'm quite self-critical. So if I'm thinking of diets and being out of shape and this sort of stuff, I'm the type of bloke to overeat and then just be in this self-pity of, <laughs> why have you done that? Because <laughs> um, we had a, a hypnotist on a few weeks ago that was kind of talking around the brain and, and everything that you've done from a childhood, like, getting cake at your birthday or this sort of stuff is all kind of ingrained in you. What's your kind of angle to this from a mind perspective? Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's hot. Even now when I have um, Tabri Dairy Milk, I've always transported back to my advent calendar. And I just think <laughs> there's so, you know, like the Colin Caterpillar effect, you always have the memories of eating at your parties and um, with your friends. And there's so many emotions attached to different food types. McDonald's is the big one. You know, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, if you're hungover, get all the McFlurries, get all the cheeseburgers. Um, so it's hard. Emotions do really deep green. But I do, I did notice because I was very much the same. I was always in this cycle of 
eating so much and then punishing myself and then not eating for the day and then you're hungry so then you eat it all over again sorry it's once I stop rewarding myself with food to so say I've been like oh I've been so good I've lost excellent amount of weight I can go out for the meal and have the dessert as well once I stop rewarding myself in that way finding other ways that I could take self-care without continually spoiling myself yeah so it's a weird, weird concept isn't it because I, I that that correlates with everything because I, I think back like when you when I was really young, it was like a takeaway sort of once every month is like a huge treat. And now it's now it's sort of seven a week or I've, I've even done probably 14 a week <laughs> occasionally. Um, but it's everything that I think of that are my bad habits. It was almost celebrated when I was younger, like eating everything on your plate so that you get dessert and all of these different aspects. It's a weird concept that we've sort of ingrained it in our brains growing up that all of these foods are, are celebratory. Do you know what I mean? When actually look at me now. <laughs> See, that's a critical thought. <laughs> thinking I would stop you right there. That's why we need you, Pippa. <laughs> I am. Um, well, can I ask you what interests you? What would motivate you outside of work? Like, what's an adult celebration that you enjoy? Um, getting paralytic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I I really enjoy, well, my drive is competitiveness, so sports, um, anything that I put my mind to, I sort of want to be the best at, which is why I'm sort of going hell for leather for this diet at the moment. Um, but yeah, that, I'd say that's what I reward myself with, playing playing sports and doing things like that, get my brain ticking. That's really, that's good, that's interesting to know, because, you know, to save you from having 14 or 7 takeaways a week, you could get the best you could at making that particular dish. You know, what's your favourite takeaway? Oh, oh. Uh, it depends on the day, to be honest. I'm, I'm a man of variance. I, I like changing it up. I'm never never the same takeaway a day. But, um, yeah, let, let's go with let's go with some sort of piri chicken or doner kebab element. Okay, perfect. So piri piri chicken. Um, you can make your own nando spice. You, you know, you could do your own sauces. Get mm. them in the kitchen and... Um, you know, get your friends around, do taste tests and like make it a fun occasion, not just having to sit in front of the TV and eating. You still get your peri chicken, but um, you could make it fun and maybe put a bit of iceberg lettuce in and you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's actually, yeah, it's a good concept. I do like that. I've never really thought of it that way. So with what you do, do you help others now with eating disorders and, and the likes? And how does that work? Sure. So it's really hard promoting myself as disordered eating um, recovery coach because I think one image comes to mind when people think of an eating disorder and it's very skeletal or very um, small, whereas it's more normalised, the overeating and emotional eating side of things. It's like I focus more on binge eating and um, trying to change patterns, like the thought patterns, change habits and just to break the habit of binge eating, not cutting out food um, in any way, but just being able to eat it in moderation. And then once we establish that, the focus gets taken away from food. And already I've noticed my clients within just a few couple of months or so really start to enjoy life without the food. You know, they're focusing always on their days off of what food to get next or stop eating food or they should be going to the gym. And then maybe they started a new hobby like tennis or horse riding or 
just spending more time with friends as well. Jonty, who, who's the other, the, the hash brown guy, he, <laughs> um, he's got this thing where he's petrified of being hungry. Like, he, he, he his diet's like, I've even said this, said this loads of times in the pod, but he eats mashed potato because that fills him up and he eats it within his calories and this sort of stuff. But his biggest fear is being hungry. So he'll look for anything to stop him being hungry. But he's always then thinking about food and what's happening next and this sort of stuff. And when, when he's on his bad, like when he's out of diet mode, it, it's like the guy's just like, <laughs> it's like a truffle pig just locking around, just trying to find anything he can put in his mouth. So for me, it is a bit different. I, I, I went for a long period over the last two years of stress eating where I was working in such crazy, like crazy hours, crazy stress, crazy stuff that I could never plan when I was going to eat. So I would go, right, I've been on six hours straight of calls. Let's just go get something quickly in 15 minutes. Then I'd smash as much in as possible because I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to eat in another six hours time. And then actually I had another window and then I'm eating again. And then I'm doing that again and again and again and again and again. I think, I think for me, it was like not being in control of everything was the issue. I was just, just like whatever I could put in my mouth, I could put in my mouth and then I'd get home mentally. My brain's just like fallen out of my head and I'm just sitting on delivery going, right, let's just, just get in wherever I can get in and go from there. So the start of this year, we we started a weight loss competition. Last year, I tried this kind of non-extreme dieting approach, and um, I, it just didn't work for me. It was like I, I need to feel like I'm losing weight. So we've gone for the extreme approach. And I think this year, I'm picking up a lot of good habits. We had another guy on that talked about having two small meals and a large meal a day to keep within the calories which has consciously made me not overeat during the day, which has really worked for me. Um, but my biggest fear is coming out of the diet, knowing that I've got all of these old habits that I can just go back to, like the, the three days between the end of the January competition and the February competition. I ate whatever I wanted to put in my mouth and I gained a load of weight again. So I know that's a ton of information, but what what... What do you think about that and this kind of psyche of it all and how would you help that? I think, to be honest, you put diet culture, you've nailed it on the head, is that you do you go through the six-week or intense time of um, fasting or intermittent fasting or just doing juice cleanses or whatever the next phrase is, and then you do see results and you feel amazing, you get all these great compliments, um, but it's impossible to maintain. It's not your natural body weight or your rhythm it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle so it naturally will you'll go back to other ways because you've denied yourself to such an extreme you know I've said it before but no one wants to eat the egg white omelette or something like that you know you want to have all the tasty things so that's what I always say to clients um I have this methodology where I encourage 10 small meals a day so it's really hard because sometimes eating and you're not hungry should say 10 yes so there you go. You should enjoy this. <laughs> okay. I'm all ears, yeah. It's ten, ten small meals. So what's ten deliveries, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get a black card. <laughs> so just um, so for example, what would you have for breakfast normally? At the moment, I'm having a Joe and the Juice 
uh, sandwich, basically, 420 mm. calories. I, I, I've done eggs in the morning, maybe a granola bowl, that sort of thing. And how do you feel afterwards? Fine. Good. No, I mean, would you feel energetic or lethargic? Uh, energetic okay. at the moment, yeah. I also take a magic mind, which seems to be an incredible thing to wake me up, which is like a mushroom corset thing, um, plus a coffee, and then I'm ready to go. I'm never tired in the morning. That's really good. That's nice. Mushrooms on toast with a twist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, it's the the two small meals and then the large meal. Again, that adopts that you have to eat everything at the big meal because you weren't allowed it on the other two meals. Whereas if you space it out over 10 meals, you know, you can have your granola bar or small things like maybe like a ham sandwich at this time. And then you're drunk, you worried that he's always going to be hungry. He's got nine more meals in his bag. He's fine. You know, um, you can make smaller versions of what you like. You know, maybe like a scotch egg and a bit of brown sauce in one packed lunch bit. Or you, I encourage chocolate as well, just... Um, if that's your go-to, but having the one bar, but letting yourself have that one bar every day. Um, does that make sense? So it sounds like you've does. been interactive. Yeah, it does make sense. So if I if I if I think about because I'm trying to think weekly, I'm doing really well Monday through to Wednesday. Thursday, I said that I'm going to incorporate a takeaway in the in the diet either way. So uh, whatever calories I had left the day, 1,200 calories, it will be like a Five Guys burger maybe that will take up 1,000 of them calories. And then I feel as if I'm having – I'm kind of still not restricting anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and the rest of the days I'm then trying to do – like you mentioned before, like, like – I cook something that is low cal but tastes a bit dirty like chicken burgers is a good one um and this sort of thing then weekends is i'm not i'm not i'm restricting booze in january and i'm i'm a bit scared of booze because booze is really like a tidal wave of i did it quite well on saturday actually i went out saturday did a wine tasting thing with my missus during the day and then we went out for a meal afterwards and i managed to not just eat everything I could see in sight. And I knew I was going to have a bad day. But usually with boozing, it's like, cool, you feel a bit pissed, eat. <laughs> Drink more, oh shit, you're getting pissed again, eat. And then then it's like, I can't see, eat everything. <laughs> Next day I'm then dying going, let's just put every more in. So how, how do you combat that? That's like yeah. boozing in general is probably a great topic. Big one. Yeah, that was my hardest one as well because um, uh, um, I used to love hungover food. I, sometimes I wasn't sure if I liked the night out more or the hungover duvet day where you just get all the food in. And um, that was really hard. But making sure you eat a meal before you go out, so um, definitely eating is not cheating. <laughs> um, just make sure you've you know, had your mashed potato, you've had your nutritious food, something that fills you up, something that you know, you're not going to crave in like two hours. You you didn't need the chips because you've had the mashed potato already a couple of hours ago. Again, you can get the takeaway, but you can make things healthier. Like we said about kebabs earlier, they do offer that 
salad option, you know, if you're smashed at 4 a.m., you're not going to notice a tomato going down. Like, you're fine. And um, just having fun with it, you know, again, not having that mindset of, well, I messed up, I had four kebabs last night. You celebrate, yes, I only had four kebabs. I didn't have six, like, last week. Just <laughs> that, you know? But it, it, eventually, over time, it really, it does actually build new neural pathways, so it strengthens that. And you do celebrate those wins, and that surges you forward. You're so positive, Pippa, and it's making oh. me feel so positive. Like you're giving off like a nice energy right now. What what got you into this sort of line line of work and sort of wanting to do this? Because obviously you you know a ton about this, and obviously even after speaking to you for like ten minutes now, I'm getting like the feelings all coming. In. I'm feeling proud of myself all of a sudden. What what made you do this, uh, and how did you get into it, really? Thank you. Um, so I used to be a flight attendant uh, for Emirates. And they were very strict on, um, you know, so some, we got weighed um, at different points in um, to make sure our uniforms still fitted well. And we always had to look um, well-groomed, you know, like our lipstick had to be immaculate. And we'd go in for our, um, be, every pre, pre-flight, we'd have a security question. But they'd also check our nails, our hair, um, just, you know, our belt. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of constantly... It gets it, you need to look your best all the time, which puts a lot of pressure on you. And I was the same as you in that, because you don't know when you're going to eat on the flights. You know, there can be long flights. Our longest one's about 17 hours if you're flying from Dubai to Texas. And then you're so busy with the service, you don't know when you're next going to eat. So I'd go into the galley, oh, there's a chicken curry in the oven, I'll eat that. Then maybe like 10 minutes later, it's my actual meal time and I'll eat something else. So it's that fear of getting hungry whilst you're midway through the service and then because I'd be so tired after all these long flights or jet lag and you're away from all your family and friends sometimes I would turn to food you know room service is super easy to get but they load those mini bars and they never check the price when you leave <laughs> and the bill. but um you maybe should edit that bit out <laughs> um but yeah so I just got into this big habit of always using food to ease my comfort bring me comfort and then it was getting me so low and then um if my housemates were on flights and I'd have the flat to myself for two days or so all I would do is just get the takeaways eat in front of the tv because I didn't have to be on I didn't have to put my makeup on I didn't have to present myself as this uh, hostess doing the fine service for you know passengers I could just be me and I was getting so low because I hated that I didn't want to be that and then this went on for years. And then eventually I found this book um, and it really helped me. And it took away that shame because, you know, I, every time I went to the US, I really wanted to join the Overeaters Anonymous um, things. But I knew that it wouldn't be received well because sometimes people would have an image of what you should look like as an overeater or something like that. But I knew I was overeating and I was really, I was never purging. I was always overeating. And um, I was too scared to go to one of those sessions. And the doctors, they didn't have the right language for what it was. And I couldn't really speak to someone professionally. So when I found this book and it immediately lifted that shame. And it, I think when you have those binges, you always think, oh, I lack willpower. I'm so greedy. I'm never going to get that body or something like that. And immediately the book, chapter one, was like, you're it's not willpower, you know, you've restricted your food, it's your natural body 
in the way that if you were drowning and you reached out for air, you starving yourself, your body needs to eat all that food. You have no control over that. So that was a huge thing. And just noticing the importance of eating those 10 small meals a day um, really helped get control of myself. And then when I felt not like hiding myself away and eating all the time, I was enjoying life more, you know, getting out on the layovers and meeting friends. And yeah, it's definitely been a journey. But um, the, the author of the book, I actually followed them. And then they um, introduced a coaching course. So I signed up for that really quick. And it was amazing. And to meet so many people that went through that as well, you you always think you're alone in these, but there's so many people going through it. So is it like unconscious habits that you're picking up that you're trying to then change, basically, with the eating? Because for me, what you're saying rings completely true. And also, us being kind of four really big blokes, I think we've got that stigma. We've had some people that have approached us to kind of talk to us about weight loss and something, and the first question that most of us think is, have you ever been 100 and something kilograms? <laughs> um, and it's not about that, is it? It's about everyone's different. And I think for me, I've, I've been working like 15, 16 hour days since I was nine, well, since I was probably 17 straight out of school. And all of the kind of time to pick up this stuff's just been on steroids. So, um, your kind of recovery and your your recovery is probably not the right word, but you you finding yourself in this kind of routine. How long did that take? Like, is the ten mil thing a way to reset yourself, or is it like uh, a constant thing? Yeah, it's just to reset. Because to because I'd have these massive binges and then I wouldn't eat for a day, and I tried to push it to two days, and then on that second day, my gosh, the hunger was so real. So then. Um, it was just the 10 meals really helped to get into that routine of it's okay to eat, not to the point of being stuffed, <laughs> but like I'm nicely full. And then you have the energy. As I could notice, I had so much more energy. Chocolate, I love chocolate. So I'd eat all these chocolate and I'd notice the energy dive afterwards. So then you need the extra sugar spike, you know? So I was in a cycle of that. Once I was eating normal food, like I loved the they used to have these pre-packed chicken boxes on the crew cart and I love them. And um, yeah, so I'd have that with some Tabasco and it was such a nice snack and it was guilt-free and I didn't crave the chocolate after the rush of this meal service and then I could just eat my lunch and then have more control over rather than not eating anything and then eating everything. But now I just eat three meals a day or two if I'm not hungry in the evening but I make sure I never restrict. So if I am hungry, I will eat. And boy, yeah. I will eat. No, <laughs> <laughs> so do we. <laughs> Let's talk chocolate then. So I love chocolate. Chocolate's my biggest deal. And I'm not afraid to say it. I've, I've given up refined sugars for January and I'm now stop, I've stopped snacking as part of the diet to try and get rid of it. Because I find that I can be in a calorie deficit, but the weight rate really doesn't come off if I'm still eating sugars. And my eating sugars is eating a fucking massive bar of chocolate. <laughs> What's your favourite bar? Ooh, good question. Um, so it's not a bar, but the Mark and Spencer's gigantic buttons. Oh, they're banging. They're banging. Guess the calories of a whole bag. 
oh my gosh, easy. And the orange one's good, but then the um the natural chocolates get great for a Sunday afternoon. I in my four day hiatus from the diet, literally last week, I smashed a whole bag on the train. Guess the calories. I think I've looked. Is is it eight hundred? Seven fifty. Ah. Oh. See, that's good. Yay, for less than 50 calories I thought I was eating. <laughs> Just positive rain. I sat yeah. on the train and go, for me, what have I done? <laughs> I offer one out and feel good about it that I've shared yeah. at least one. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. I gave my twin one. So yeah. yeah, I feel good. I didn't bag up a whole bag. Yeah. <laughs> Just 732 calories instead. <laughs> um, with that, I'm going to, I've got like a, a statement that I've thought of and I'd, I'd really like to um, sort of know your thoughts on it because obviously the way you think about things and the positivity around it. Um, so the, the statement would be like food is an addiction um, or like sort of, yeah, essentially you can be addicted to food. What, what, what are your thoughts around that sort of side of things? A hundred percent. But then with obviously alcohol or substance abuse, you completely go teetotal and that's your recovery but with food it's your survival so you have to you know imagine saying to an alcoholic just have this little bit of baileys or this little bit of wine three times a day no more it's not gonna work but the food addiction it's so real like you said because it's always connotated with the childhood memories it's there for that emotional support but we also need it to survive so if we don't eat at the right time if we leave it to be too hungry then we're gonna fall off the wagon you know i think there's so many parallels yeah because you can't follow the same the same sort of um sort of as like alcohols anonymous and smoking and all of these addictions because obviously yeah we we need food to survive so how, how would you if, if someone's on the side of things where you can really identify that they've got a real strong addiction to food and they're the the, the the addiction is is uncontrollable how would you approach sort of something like that definitely um, if it was uncontrollable in that sense, there'd be a lot of shame. Maybe they wouldn't even talk about it. They wouldn't tell people. So I think first off would just be to encourage them to talk about it with their friend or that's the thing with the coach. It's in between doctor's help and self-help, trying to do it yourself, you know, it's, um, and just being not being afraid to reach out and think a lot of people worry that they're not sick enough or they don't have an eating disorder as such to reach out. Whereas if you're really struggling and isolating yourself and feel completely slave to food, um, I would immediately try and lift that shame from them, try and figure out what it is that's making them reach for the food. Did they just have a breakup? You know, did something emotionally trigger them or a stressful day at work? And then we can work through that and figure out new ways, fun ways as well, to handle them next time yeah no that, that's good yeah it's just some sometimes you think like uh, your, your brain sort of just goes straight into that like, i even think that i've i've got I've, well i've had addictions before and things like that at certain sort of stages i might pull myself out of it slightly and lower it down and then but then it's more of a case of with this diet it's it's all or nothing so it is what i what I think I was most keen on speaking to you around, yeah, is, is what Ian mentioned earlier, is that transition from losing a ton of weight into 
not putting it all back on again and getting like a, a lifestyle where it's going to sort of work and maintain. I think that's the hardest thing. And I think every single person in our, our group chat has either gone through that before in terms of lo- losing weight and then putting it back on or are worried about it this time. Um, so I was really, yeah, just keen to sort of be, these tips are really insightful in terms of how how we can, well, firstly kick off the weight, but but secondly how we can keep a good mental attitude and, and a lifestyle going forwards. Keep it off as well. Keep, the weight won't come back once you've adopted those things because life gets so good, you know, and you enjoy the way things feel. Also, you mentioned all or nothing. That's huge. That's that's what I do base a lot of the sessions on. It's because it goes into that restrict and binge mindset. You know, um, I I get an example of one of my clients. She has um, she would eat all these chocolates and then would restrict for maybe 10, 12 days. She wouldn't eat any chocolate, and she finds the first few days um, manageable. You know, it's hard but manageable, and then she rarely thinks about it. And then things like less and less. And then she comes back to it and thinks, oh, I haven't had chocolate for a while. I'll just have one. And instantly that taste of and that feel of having it again after so long, all the endorphins are flooding her. Oh, my, it's a refound love, you know, and then she'll eat the whole box. So I set this challenge to every day eat three chocolates, even when you Mm -hmm. don't want them. And she was like, what? And she was like, I was like, just try it. So every day she ate three chocolates and... In time, she genuinely didn't want them anymore. And if she did, she'd go, she'd have three, and it was enough. And sure, some yeah. days were four. But again, it's fine because you can celebrate. You didn't eat the whole box. It's it's, And it's never going to be linear as well. So being graceful for yourself when you do have those binges, when you're trying to lose the weight, trying to figure out or give yourself credit for how far you've come since the very beginning, not just these minor yeah it's almost like a relapse isn't it it's like you 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 hold off for so long and then you relapse and got to smash it all off whereas if you're doing little bit by little bit you can't really relapse because you're you're continuously giving yourself what you think you need or want yeah i read recently something about that actually and it's no um they don't call it relapse um they call it or like they like to think of it as a lapse because you relapse isn't going to be as significant as they used to be it'll just be each time it just gets smaller and smaller it'll just be oh just had a little lapse and um just smaller and also just noticing gentle words like that helps your mind as well yeah so the, the way that it would be is to rather than doing this sort of all or nothing or maybe it will help us in terms of getting the mindset of losing loads of weight initially but it's figuring out and working out when to slow it all down start implementing like a, a a good way of sort of what how you're going to go forward so like this 10 meals or smaller portions of things that you really really enjoy and that you don't think you can hold out for and then just trying to continue that going forward and you might put on weight here and there but you can get that small amount off again it's a really good way of thinking I, 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 yeah i really like it to be fair yeah it's made me feel good the thing for me is and if I, i'm really trying to dig deep in my soul about like diets that I've done before I've done I, I back myself to have the mental fortitude to be able to do stuff for about six months like when I was a, a good time when I lost loads of weight I boxed and I was training five times a week that went up to six times a week did that for six months got all the weight off looked great boxed 
soon as I came out of that fight, I drank 30 pints and then the next day started eating stuff. But I was, I felt great. And I've, and Pete, you'd walk into a bar and everyone would be like, bloody hell, where the fuck have you gone? You've like lost all your weight. And then I'd be drinking more and going to see more. And I got addicted to the kind of maybe recognition of it all is probably the right way of saying it. And then three, four months down the line, I don't, you don't, the weight coming back on isn't as noticeable as it coming off. Like it's just, even though you think you can, I, I can gain weight really, really quick, but you don't see yourself going, Jesus Christ, I can stay at you until it's like really big. Um, and then I go, then I go back into this dark hole and it's like, right, I need to go back into diet mode and lose it all. You're safer in diet mode. You're not doing it there. And that's the bit that I've been fighting for years. I, I, I did cognitive behavioral therapy about six years ago, maybe, which was basically that it was this, like, I, I, I'm good at going all in like Taylor says, but, but I want to know why it has to be like, I'm either trying to be my best or I'm trying to be my very worst. There is no middle ground. Yeah. And it's, it's, I feel that. yeah, it's, it, it what you're saying there is kind of great tools to reset that. But I still, in my head, believe that there's this, like, devil on one shoulder <laughs> <laughs> going, I'm going to drag you back in. <laughs> you're going to be bigger than last time. You're, you're going to look worse. And you're always self-destructing. And I think it, I've got constantly battling this. And for me, the diet that I'm doing at the moment, I'm saying to everyone, by May, I want to look the best I've ever looked. The plan after May isn't even in my head yet. And I think that is that kind of what advice have you got to get that plan really going so it's just a natural thing? That's when it's really hard. It's when you have that set date, like a wedding or an event or a holiday that you want to look your best. And for sure, you give it everything you got. And you, you see the results and you get the achievement and it's the best. But then once that event passes, you completely lack direction, you lack drive, you don't want to go boxing six times a week. You know, you're tired. You want to let yourself rest. You haven't had the chocolate buttons. Marks and Spencer have missed you. They said, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just about doing, adopting, you know, have the buttons and doing three boxing sessions a week rather than doing six and only clean eating or still incorporating bits that you enjoy and trying not to have the time frame. May I ask? Is May a special event for you, or is that just the time of the competition ends? July uh, the 25th of the competition ends. Yeah, I'm going away in May. I don't really give a shit what I look like, but I've gone, that's really where summer starts. And for the last two summers, I think I've been too big to really enjoy them, if I'm honest. I'll go away and I really don't give a shit about taking your top off and that sort of stuff. I walk around, I don't care. But I think where I've always been overweight since a young age, I think it's always, I tend to start every, like if you're on holiday, I eat healthier than I eat at home because it's new people that I'm not being around. And it's, I'm not, I'm just not comfortable. So I want to have a period of time where I'm actually enjoying life. And I think, I think for me, this has been a real kind of thing that's held me back for ages because I've been constantly battling, um, this this kind of acceptance in myself so may's my kind of date to be like you've got to be comfortable in your skin 
And then from there, the, in my in my head, the plan's like, then you've got to just try and continue the, the easy life. And 2,200 calories is a big restriction for a bloke of my size. But I'm finding it like every day it's normal. But I know if I take myself out of that routine, like holiday, it won't be normal. So it's it's trying to find that balance. And I, I, I'm fighting a lot of demons up here at the moment. I, don't, it, I think that's the bit that I'm trying to fix more than the weight loss. And I've got a really supportive missus, and she's she's always supporting me about kind of how I look and that sort of stuff. She doesn't give a shit about that. But this is all stuff that's in, in my head, right? And that's the thing that I need to overcome. So I'll give myself a date of May for no real reason more than I think I can get myself in a really good shape then. Um, and it's more that that's my date where life's going to start again and I'm going to start feeling good and start enjoying myself and this sort of thing. Um, which sounds all a bit dramatic, but I, I do I do genuinely believe for the last two years it's been, especially the, the last six months of the year before, I, I got married that that was like a huge date that I needed to get to. I didn't get fit enough for it. I didn't get, like, I didn't look well enough for it. I ran the marathon to try and lose a load of weight, weight and this sort of stuff, just fucking lunacy. <laughs> and then after that, I kind of, we went on honeymoon and this sort of stuff. And I, I worked out twice a day near enough every day on honeymoon. So I wasn't in, I wasn't comfortable in my body. So it's, it's that kind of planning is the bit that I want to fix. And in my mind, I was like, right, go all in till May, then worry about it afterwards. Yeah, that's where I think it gets tricky because you're there and then you're like, now what? Whereas, um, congratulations, by the way, for your marriage, your wedding. Um, but, you know, you have someone there that loves you for you. They don't, you know, care about the size of you. And then it's about finding fun things that you can do together that isn't getting you away twice a day in a work in a gym um on your honeymoon you know so it's being present and doing nice things together you know you could um you know incorporate fun things to do together like coffees and walks are so underrated it doesn't sound like it's going to work out mm-hmm. you know you talk and you walk and you know macchiatos are heavy <laughs> yeah. to be fair we got the dog this year and he's seven and we've been doing loads of stuff, active stuff, like walking around parks and going to different parks and this sort of stuff. And that's been a massive help because it's like you're active and doing that. The, the only problem with that dog is he's seven and he's fucking lazier than me. So, <laughs> like we both look at each other going, should we go and get a coffee and a cake? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we've, we've been doing loads of loads of stuff like that. I think that's the dog's been a really good impact too. And it, it really isn't like me comparing myself to her. It's not that. It's me. I've got this like crazily competitive mind that's like, how have you let yourself get to this? That's that's what's going through my head. It's all me, me, me. It's not. It's not like external factors. It's, yeah, or anyone else. It's not that she's she's doing anything or anyone else is saying anything because i think everyone accepts me for who i am it's more me going why have you let yourself get to this state that's the bit that i'm i'm always battling like cheating your your own potential almost isn't it that's uh you you know what your potential is you know what you could be you know what you can get to and like what you've done before and then it's like you're not letting yourself get to that so it's like battling that why why am i not hitting my potential why am i being lazy and I think society's a bit shit, really. Yeah, like on holiday, we went to a, on our honeymoon. We went to Mauritius. We went to this like really fancy hotel, 
that had a, like a crazily healthy menu, like to the point where you didn't feel like you were on holiday. It was that healthy. And every morning, well, not every morning, the mornings that my missus would order a fry up, I had the same kind of granola bowl. The granola bowl went in front of her. <laughs> the fry up came to me and they're just like, as soon as we shipped it around, they stare at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> you get that in bars all bars and restaurants all the time and they just assume, like, you sit down and they go, right, do you want full English for you, big fella? No, thanks. No, no, no. I'm going to take, like... <laughs> Two eggs, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> oh, that's not enough for a growing bloke like you. Know, it's just all of that stuff is stuff you're constantly battling. And uh, yeah, I just think I, I think the whole like it, when you're in a state of right, I'm I'm losing weight, I'm feeling good. I think that really helps because you, you're for me. I can give up alcohol at any point because I just turn around and go, I don't drink, and straight away I've gone. I did the same with cigarettes. I was a smoking thirty a day stubbed them out, never smoked again. So if I'm on a diet, I can go, no, I'm dieting. I only eat 2,200 calories. It's done. But if I'm out of that, I'm dangerous because it's like, well, you know, I eat, yeah. <laughs> Line it up. <laughs> how, how, Pippa, how do you turn a positive spin on sort of like, because I, I think home in what Ian's just mentioned it, I think we've got a lot of judgment on ourselves uh, and we, we kick ourselves when, when we do bad. And even like, Ian and myself after we lost sort of a big amount of weight in January we had that three days and we just like there just ate everything and got like felt disgusting for a few days and got back on the diet how how, how do you uh, obviously giving yourself affirmations and telling yourself things are okay but how, how would you start getting that into your lifestyle if you're never like that I've never ever been like that where I tell myself good things how would you yeah. begin that process affirmations if you don't if that's not your thing it won't work for you, I think forcing yourself into a size that's not meant for you, um, like if you're an octagon and it's a triangle, you've, it's about exploring the things that work for you. And you guys are in a really unique position that you're all in this together. So you could make it fun, you know, you could have soup and chill nights or something and like all go around to your house and like just put on a soup. But just make it, you know, you can get creative with these things and you know, you could challenge each other, like, go on, I, I dare to get the Caesar salad. You're like, no, they're all up. Go on, get it. And there'd be banter on the table, like, oh, Ian got the Caesar salad, sauce on the side. <laughs> and, um, you know, you say, yeah, you know, and I've got my full fat beer because balance. So yeah. you, you can just reclaim it. Just we get to have a say in how we respond to society too. I think I think blokes just love putting each other down, though. <laughs> Like, is, is there a way to like negatively positively affirm? <laughs> is, is just like oh, you've just eaten another burger. <laughs> I think I've I think I've grabbed John's boobs every day this whole month. <laughs> the last like, four weeks, every time I walk past him, I just grab him, grab him up to like jiggle, jiggle him a little bit. So, but that's our banter, so it's really hard to yeah. How do you how do you keep positive when you're doing that to each other? <laughs> But you have fun with it. That's the thing. Like, it'd be so much more awkward if no one was talking about it or if you weren't feeding him up. He might get sad about that. And did I do something wrong? You know? Yeah. Poor sons. Yeah, oh, I watch that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting at his desk shaking a little bit. <laughs> Just giggling him. Um, I'd love to set you a challenge then for May once the competition's over. And it's just to find a set point in your weight where you're not forcing yourself to get to a ridiculously small 
or a number on a scale, but just finding a set weight um, where you can comfortably eat the foods that you want to, but you can enjoy your walks or boxing and, you know, doing what you enjoy, but just seeing where that set point is. So it's a bit of an experiment, but that everybody has a set point weight where you don't have to try to stay at it, to stay at a constant. Yeah, I did have that. It was about... So I got down to 122 kilograms. That I that was just, and in my head, I was still the fattest bloke in the room, which is the most insane thing. I look back at them photos. I would eat Taylor to get back to that weight, right? <laughs> and <It is. laughs> I I remember sitting there going, that I, I I still felt fat, and then I, I completely blew up. I got to about 138, and I could manage that for a long time and I felt good in my skin then and everything like this and life changes, stuff happens, work got busy again and then it was one four four. Then over, over I think I got COVID and because I was ill and I it, it was like that was in the first week of it being a thing. I was in a house by myself with Deliveroo just going Caterpillar cakes, the mini, the mini roll ones, just delivered into the house. Like that would make me feel better. Doubled in size, like hundreds. And then I couldn't really breathe for a while. I had it quite bad. And then I was trying to walk around, trying to get my lungs back. And I just looked in the mirror. I was like, Jesus Christ. And also it was like COVID times where your beard would be out. So hair would be everywhere. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, like, what the fuck has happened? And since then I got back in the shape, then got back in the shape there. But the, the level was just gone higher and higher. And I think, that 138 was was exactly that way. It was I felt so comfortable in my skin after a while. Um but again, that's I'm still miles away from that at the moment. So it's just consistently trying to just chop down now. I've I've really not tried to kill myself dieting as well this time. I've tried to do it sustainably, enjoy it, that sort of thing. Um but there's still that little devil that wants to go out and get absolutely shit faced. So <laughs> that, that that makes so much sense though. That's why you've got a sort of like even at our size now Ian like you've got to sort of try and fall in love with your skin now because uh, at the end of the day we could put on 40 kg in the next sort of two years and then we look back at what we was now and think I wish I was that size and like that's over the last few years I've constantly wished oh, I'd do anything to be back to that weight but at the time you're like I'm absolutely disgusting I want to be skinny I want to be skinny and you're never happy so like there is that element of no matter what milestone you get to you've just got to try and be happy do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think booze is a killer, though? Because it just gets you in such dark places. That's when everything yeah. starts getting a bit self-destructive. And booze, for me, again, in our company, it's like work hard, play really hard. So we're just drinking fucking crazy amounts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you kind of step it up on a Saturday. And Sunday, you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened there? Um but every time I get in a routine with booze is is the bit that it all falls down. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to like, I think I'm aware of everything that's, that's the problem, but I'm still just kind of like dodging out of the way of them instead of like really confronting it all and, and fixing it really. That's good that you've noticed that. And it, that's one of the huge things is noticing what works well for you. And have you tried different alcohols as well? Like maybe you're better on a rum and coke or a beer or different gin and tonic i have thought this right i thought because because it takes me a long time to get pissed as taylor knows because i i drank him under a table once never um, never 
<laughs> 10 years older than drunk. I, the point for me is like drinking to the point where you're battered. Mm. So in my head, I was thinking, I remember going to our New York office once and they don't drink pints because pints takes me 10 pints to get going, really. The calories in that's crazy. The, like the amount of liquid that goes through you is crazy as well. Americans just smash shots right now and then they're absolutely battered and that's it. They're fine. Do you know what I mean? They're either like in bed or, or they're just completely smashed. Yeah. I was thinking maybe that could be my approach, like a that, low calorie approach to just get as pissed as quickly and this sort of stuff. But that's that's what I want to do because I I don't like the taste of alcohol. I just love being absolutely legless. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do it in the quickest way possible with the lowest calories, I know it's not very good in terms of um, just yeah corrupting yourself. But um, yeah, I'd I'd love to be able to just smash off a few shots get pissed and then go home and enjoy myself right <laughs> it don't happen you have to drink all night like, sort of what we do um but pippa what um what what else do you sort of deal with other than sort of the the binge binge eating and things like that what sort of other areas just to get an idea of your clientele and sort of what you do what what yeah. do you sort of cover um i'll definitely go into that but it's okay just what you said then about you have to be smashed and stay out drinking all night that's again. Is that what society wants you? That that fresh. No, I, I'm not an all night <laughs> yeah. guy. I'm not an all night guy. I just like getting smashed. Then I'll go home. I get to that point. I'm happy. Like, I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a. Let's stay out till Sunday type. It's not that. It's right. I now feel pissed. Let's go home. That's. The Ian's got a great trick, Pippa. So when he's uh, at a bar with a lot of people and when we're socialising, he'll go to the bar. Um, he'll order 40 shots and then as you're waiting for the shots, he'll slip off and back door, back door the night out and just leave you all with the 40 <laughs> shots. No one knows where he's gone because everyone's sort of excited with these shots and then he leaves the bar tab with the shots as well. It's great. You get like 50 calls. You're the worst person on the night out. It's a great way to leave. <laughs> and that's usually by the point that I'm smashed. So I'm like, right, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, because that changing that alcohol for me, because um, when I was living in Dubai, there was a ladies' night every day of the week, so girls would drink free somewhere at all times. So I could barely remember coming to the door sometimes, you know, like it's pure blackout vibes. And um, the then I just was like, what do I actually? What is it that I like about drinking so much? And it's that connection with people. It's the laughing. It's the silliness. It's the letting go of things and then it, you can literally find other ways to do that you can still have all the drinks that's one thing don't do all or nothing definitely go get smashed just have bangers and mash before you go out or something so you, you, your tummy's nicely lined and you don't need to do all the chips and kebab afterwards or or something or stay out till 10 not 11 the small little things the small changes not all or nothing yeah, I, I think for years, my Saturdays would be wake up at, well, it could be even as early as like 7am to go to a football match, start drinking then, finish right at the other end of the night. I've, I've canned all of that stuff. Like, I am genuinely quite boring now. But there's always at certain points of the year where like Friday, I've got a dart, I'm going to the darts, it's like the best best day I, I can think of. I'm going 30 points, let's go. <laughs> I'm going to do that, just get absolutely rat assed and then like stumble home but it's the carnage after that is the bit that i can't control is is 
my kind of at the moment my brain's like you're dieting you're doing well brilliant week that sort of stuff drink gone <laughs> it's like you it's not it's not even self being up it's just like there's no coming back from this <laughs> um do you drunk dial are you a drunk texter no <laughs> Why is the fun and What do you do? <laughs> no, I, just, <laughs> I just get smashed. And then like, I'm, me, and, me and my missus talk about that a lot. We, I'm, I'm one of the happiest drunks. You are Not good. a bad drunk. Like I, I just know that that leaves me two weeks of eating shit and not being focused. It's like a, it's like a brain switch thing for me. It's not, uh, the, again, I, I really don't, I've, I've spent a lot of time sober and not lost weight. It's not, booze isn't the issue for me. It's like getting into bad habits after I, it's the biggest reset for me, which is the problem. That's why I'm kind of, I'm more scared of booze from how it ruins my habits than the actual alcohol itself. I, yeah. I, I like getting smashed. So it doesn't affect me that much. I'm, I'm that fine. It's the it's, it, fucking around with my brain is the bit that I don't like. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, but something said that then as well. You said that you've become boring. Neither of you are boring. You're so much fun and there's so much to offer in that as well. And not everything is based around a size or, you know, so there's some things I want you to focus on as well. Yeah. I don't think you're boring, Ian. No, no, I've got great chat. I know that. But... <laughs> <laughs> boring in what like... society wants you to do. That's, that's what yeah, it true. is. Yeah, true. But I, I try and tend to not do anything like to now that i'm in like diet mode I'm, I'm i've made my preparations to say we're gonna have a boring few months and it is boring in the sense of not going out and doing that sort of stuff but i get what you're saying we're gonna have a really fun time sitting on the sofa after a long walk mm. <laughs> 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 okay so pippa we do you take how many like people do you take on a week or are you looking for more um yeah I'm I'm really flexible so I take on as many people as I feel I could give them and I want to take on too many that I'm not giving them an equal like I really like to know the people I like to connect with them I like to know their story I don't want to flick through notes to remember things about them I always want to be present with them and just know how far they've come and things so I also would only take clients that I feel like it could genuinely really help them. You know, anorexia gets very complicated because doctors need to intervene and things like that. I'd still completely help someone. It also really helps if someone wants to make that change for themselves. It's difficult if a partner is forcing them into it or a parent. So I would just have talks with them to see if they want to do this and, you know, if they're ready to make changes. And um, But I'm open to taking as many people um as I can, you know, without burning out or not being able to give their all, my all. And how does it work? Is it like a telephone service, face-to-face, like where are you based, that sort of thing? Yes, I'm based in London, so we can do face-to-face, but I more often um, do Zoom meetings. So I have clients, um, I have one in the UAE and a couple in the US, and then others are in UK, but it's over Zoom and... It does, it makes it easier because you can carry on with your normal life and then you can just pop on. And so I encourage them sometimes, you know, you can message me if you feel that binge urge coming on and just give me a call. And if I'm available, we can talk through that in that moment in real time and do a bit of a meditation even um, and just a bit of a reset. 
That is a hell of a service, that, because I, I can feel it coming on like a tidal wave sometimes, so it's just like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and, and how do people connect with you? Is it Instagram, email? I have Instagram and I have a website, healedandwholerecovery.com, and then that has links to my Instagram or, um, yeah, or an email has a link to my email as well. Okay, lovely. Well, Pippa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Taylor, I'm just conscious you did ask a question a minute ago. Um, but we talk about disordered eating mostly and um, things that come from the side of that. So with binge eating, sometimes binge shopping comes up or... Um, oh, really? <laughs> you know, like um, getting, you know, tennis elbows. Some people get visa rests and things like that. But it's all part of the binging mind frame you know all or nothing I haven't bought anything for a while so I'm going to go on ASOS and buy all these clothes quickly or I don't know so money is a big thing that comes up gambling, gambling. yeah that's what I was thinking yeah so it's that binging it's that all or nothing is is your focus and that's what you do is anything if someone can't hold back and they've got to just throw themselves and do it at, at the absolute max that's where you can come in and help out yeah, definitely and Lovely. People with that negative thought pattern, they just want to nurture and calm their mind and create that safe space where it's okay, they haven't messed up and it's all part of being human. You know, no one is perfect and it's just getting them to be where they want to be and who they want to be. Bin shopping. <laughs> that's another it's thing. I've got about that. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's mental, isn't I, it? I, I've got size 14 feet, right? So... You couldn't. I couldn't buy trainers in a in a shop since I was like fourteen years old, because I got their feet got too big for the shops. Now that they do size fourteen shoes, like they used to just go up to size twelve, I think I've got every pair of trainers under the sun. Like it's <laughs> fast, and every single time I get on Nike, it's like right, let's have a little look. Oh, not sure if I've got them or not. Let's buy them. And when they're size fourteen, you need whole rooms to store these fucking things. <laughs> So that that's all intrinsically linked to the binging as well, then. Yeah, yeah, it's all that that denying yourself and then suddenly wanting everything, all of the things, you know. I feel like I fit into this category so well. I feel like everything I do is either in masses or not at all. <laughs> that is literally my brain on everything. So like, I could go through bad gambling phase. I could go through bad eating, shopping, um, smoking. Like that's literally. I home in on that. So, yeah, it's been really, really good having you on. Oh, well, you know where to find me. Yeah, I'm on. I'm in. With the shopping, would you go out and buy 10 small things to get out the habit of... How do we follow? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> go out and buy 10 cream eggs and then you come... Oh! <laughs> um, one thing I did was want to leave on quickly, if that's okay, is yep. um, something that stood out to me so much was I was on a flight once landing into Toronto and then we were all so tired and then we got to the hotel and I've never seen so much life there were people of all sizes all shapes every it's the, every ethnicity just super diverse and they're all going for a carnival and there were um larger people with tiny 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 like hot pants and cellulite legs and they've I've never seen so much beauty honestly you think um, your your body's meant to be this particular way but these people were so genuinely happy and I realise it's life shining out of you is make, what makes you look good you know you can have someone who's so slim but if they're beaten up by life if they're low and not feeling good 
or if you get someone who's any size but they're radiating or they feel good you know they look good because they feel good so that was just something that really stood out to me was shifting what beauty what's beautiful no all over that now we're gonna have the most positive podcast out there is like I feel like warm inside right now. It's been nice. Ian's opened up. I've never seen him open up that yeah. more in my life. Like he's just got his deepest dark. I'm gonna, to, to, I'm gonna cuddle Johnny as soon as yeah. I come out of him. <laughs> it's gonna be lovely. <laughs> Pippa, thank you so much. And um if if you hear any of the pods to see if we're changing that. Because I am conscious that we're just constantly taking a piss out of each other. <laughs> and we're also a little bit conscious of the group that we've started is a bit like yeah, someone puts a McDonald's in and everyone's like, oh, why have you fucking done that? So, <laughs> um, yeah, it would be good to stay in touch and definitely like talk through this kind of change of mindset. I, I tend to get in this like negative state and I think actually being really positive could be a much better way of seeing it all. So it's not so, it doesn't have, this doesn't have to hurt that much, the diet and that sort of thing. Uh, so thanks so much for that. And I'm going to go out and eat 10 small meals now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks very much for coming on. And uh, listeners, if, if you want to get in touch with Pippa, I'll share everything on the Instagram. Um, and yeah, thank you very much, Pippa. Thank you so much. Enjoy See you later. Later. Yeah, you See too. Thank you. We've got some diet plans, health scans, sugar bands, fitness fans, PTs, injuries, laying off the Chinese, ball games, gym chains, protein gains and skin tight tops, and we ain't gonna stop until we hit the 50k. Drop, 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 no excess fat, no FAT, no curry bag, no guarantee, rough or buff, lean on me, we'll end up as fit as a bitch.